Welcome to the Mad Men Happy Hour, the officially unofficial podcast for Mad Men on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And tonight we're covering Season 7, Episode 1, entitled Time Zones. Glad to be back. I'm really happy that Mad Men is back on the air. I've missed this show. Same here, man. The show looks like a million bucks. It sounds like a million bucks. It was funny. Yeah, poignant. yeah it was. I mean, it just... Uh, between it and Game of, Thrones, Game of Thrones, I'm in television heaven right now. It feels like this show never misses a beat. Like, it just consistently, episode after episode, they're never bad. Almost every show I can think of having a bad episode, even Breaking Bad. Yeah. I cannot think of a bad episode where I was just like, huh, that sucked. Uh, yeah. I, I feel worse about myself after watching it when it comes <laughs> to Mad Men. Maybe you'll feel worse about yourself when you realize that you're the only one watching it, because apparently... 2.3 million viewers last night, or Sunday night, down 32% from 3.4 million in uh, for the season premiere in season six. Are you shitting me? It went 32 down? 32% down. Wow. What do you attribute that to? Game of Thrones being on right before it? I People just missing it? Shocked. I am shocked that it went down. Yeah. Uh, me too. I, maybe people didn't like last season. I know there was a lot of complaints there about was it a just lot of repeating. People, the circular nature of last season. And if that's the case, I mean, I, they're not wrong. So, <laughs> sure. but it's like, I would argue that maybe, I don't know, maybe people liked the Don Draper glorification years and they're kind of turned yeah. off by the... Uh, they don't really want to join. It's not as fun on the way down. I think it was maybe Stan's pants, his orange it's, corduroy pants. Well, I will say that. <laughs> I am sort of turned off by a lot of the styles I'm seeing. What about Pete? Pete's sweater. I'm very turned off by the style <laughs> that he's showing. I, you know, it's like I, I, in the opening scene where we see Lou Avery and he's dressed like fucking Mr. Rogers and you got all these <laughs> sloppy haircuts and crappy polyester suits and then you see Don Draper riding the conveyor belt down the airport looking like a million dollars. And I'm like, thank yeah. God. Don Dapper. Yeah. Like, Don is not is, – is chucking deuces to the <laughs> 70s, and he's going to stay in the late 50s like he always has, and good on him. All right. Well, we'll see if that picks up throughout the rest of the season. Uh, I really hope it does because this is one of the I, – I, I won't even say one of the. I'll say best show on television right now. Yeah, I mean, man, I can't believe I can't get over it. Oh, one point one million down from the previous finale. Yeah, or premiere. I will say that I had multiple friends when I posted the link. They're like, "What Madmen's on this weekend? What? I don't, you know, if uh, maybe they didn't do a good job, good enough job cross network promoting." Yeah, that could be true. I don't know. I've been watching I mean, a lot only, of HBO Go lately. The so. only time I saw a promo for it was when I was watching The Walking Dead. Yeah. So maybe they didn't spend a lot on the... Well, that's not the right audience for this show. No you, shit. you got to go to places where people are going to care about But you know what I'm saying? By pro, I mean, like, I should be seeing... I should have seen Mad Men when I was watching uh, Parks and Rec. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, all the other television shows I watch. You know, Portlandia. <laughs> like, stuff like that. Yeah. Gets, FX does that, don't they? They cross-promote on that. a lot of... Okay. I mean, it, 
the television shows aren't going to. I mean, I think you don't see like CBS advertising on NBC, but there seems mm-hmm. to be the acceptance of cable and HBO stuff being advertised on network. Maybe I'm yeah. off base on that. Maybe AMC is getting a big head. We don't need those other networks. We're big enough. We're the premier cable network at this point. I'm just super. I'm just shocked that it lost that much audience from the season before. And I, yeah. I think maybe you're right that they're uh, the people are getting a little tired of this type of storytelling, and there's not as much titillation and, and you know just escapism. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the recap. Uh, this was a season opener for a season opener. What? How do you feel they did here? I, you know, I saw a lot of people uh, complaining that not a lot happened, but mm-hmm. I think for Mad Men, and, and maybe that's not, that's true, and I saw that Tom and Lorenzo specifically said that this was the most depressing season opener yet, because hmm. usually the season openers are like, hey, here's what everybody's doing now, and aren't you glad we're back? And this was more like, everybody's in, still in the position, and everyone's lives kind of suck, and everyone's miserable. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of... one notable exception. Yeah, which we'll talk about later. Uh, Everyone, it didn't seem like there was much change in this episode. And I I think that's what people were wanting. But we only flash forward two months, which I think might be a record. It's really short. I I, I don't know. I loved it. I thought it looked like a million dollars. I've said million bucks a lot. Million bucks. It looks like a million bucks. Might be how much Don has because Don's buying stuff by the coast in California. (laughs) He's buying big TVs. Uh, well, we know Don's independently wealthy by this time in the series. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he has to work again, and he's still getting paid. But he's lying level. about it. We'll, we'll talk about it all. But anyway, no, I thought I thought it was great. I okay. there was I am intrigued. I'm super surprised that how shabbily Peggy's being treated yeah. by SC&P. Yeah, glass ceiling, right? Yeah, I, I guess. It just I, I, that's that's the one sour note, but it's sour from me caring about her character, not so much from a storytelling point of view. Sure. Okay, uh, so we start off surprisingly with Freddie, uh, Freddie Rumson. I think he said is his last name. He's presenting a pitch for Accutron, and Peggy is very impressed by it. This I, is a well, she should be uncharacteristically eloquent pitch from Freddie. That's it, it's. It's more effective than pissing in your passing out and pissing in your pants. <laughs> we'll Which was his way. first pitch, and then after he went to Don. That he, was not a home run. No. <laughs> he ran home to get new pants, but it was not a home run. Right. Uh, Peggy, unfortunately, can't help but change the tagline on this. And I think, I, personally, that Freddy's is much better. I agree. Why do you, I wonder why she felt the need to do that. Because just I she's, don't know. she's deeply skeptical of any... Freddy, uh, <laughs> as are we all? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like I just—it can't be this good. <laughs> yeah, I, it was funny the way that she presents it, and then the way that uh, Freddy rebukes her. You know, there's a nice way to say that, and then there's the way you said it. <laughs> I did like—I mean, I thought that was an effective opening. Him just sitting right down the camera and and grabbing our attention, and yeah. turns out this is Don Draper's work, and. We talked about in the preview cast how he's not been on his A game. I felt like this was a classic Don Draper 99-mile-an-hour fastball. Yeah, it was good. I really liked it. Uh, then we go over to Roger, who wakes up on the floor 
of a hotel room to a phone call from his daughter. The hotel room is just wrecked. I mean, there are vodka bottles everywhere, naked women, naked men, just... It, it's, Were there naked men on this, this set? I couldn't because I, I I watched. I couldn't this. tell. There's one that's face down on the bed. I thought they were all Rodman, women. I'm not sure. Which okay. which added to this. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> My, which added to the mild surprise of the later revelation. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's possible. Anyway, she wants to have brunch. The the daughter, not the naked women. Uh, <laughs> Did you? I don't know. The, the one girl wakes up and takes the call. She says, "I feel like we really got somewhere last night." Roger's obviously still searching for some meaning, right? Is he? I, I think he thinks he is. Or has he just found this as new shtick to get laid? <laughs> That's a very valid question. And, I mean, because his default mode about all this stuff is just a deep cynicism. Yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like I this does not seem to be a Roger that is really contemplating much or learning much or hmm. doing new things this is a roger that's stuck in another rut that's interesting because we see the the carnage left behind from the previous night uh I, and he when he goes to visit his daughter at brunch she says a lot of stuff that actually does make him think after the fact because he goes home and all he wants to do is go to sleep he it feels like he's kind of like my defenses are down i can't really put up this front that all this free love stuff is awesome I just want to sleep right. and think about what she, she said to I'm me. Too old for this shit. Yeah, uh, so you might be right about that. And I think it's also telling that Cutler said that Roger Sterling is not as much fun as Terry has not been as fun as Teddy. He would be willing to dump oh, wow. Teddy for Roger. Uh, to me, that tells Roger is really absorbed in this stuff to the exclusion of a lot else because him and Cutler seemed like they were getting along on, like a house on fire. Yeah. So it's. I, I, I just thought that was kind of telling. Sure. Uh, so then we go to a meeting with Lou Avery and kind of the the creative underlings there, um, mm, kind of pitching him. Quotes. <laughs> yeah, pitching him on uh, some ideas for different clients. One of them being uh, Acutron. Or, or she has already brought him ideas, and I guess this meeting has been, you know, it goes on off screen. Yep. Um, there's, there are a couple things here. I don't know what the yes nurse referral or reference is. I don't know if that's a TV show, if that's like some racist comment that I don't understand. Not sure. Cause they, they tell, uh, Dawn to close the door. Yeah. I think it's more say, of a sexist r- remark, like okay. a hello nurse kind of animaniacs deal. <laughs> okay. With eyes and tongue bugging out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then Joan approaches Ken's office and we hear him yelling at some underlings at the top of his lungs. An uncharacteristic kin here, too. This is not the kin that we saw last year until maybe after he got his eye shot out. <laughs> it's the Dread Pirate kin. <laughs> Very different kin. Uh, he's upset that basically he has too much work, and he doesn't look important enough because he doesn't have any subordinates or underlings. I think that was just a secondary bitch. The primary bitch yeah. is just that he, with Bob... Flying off to Detroit and Pete in California, he has nothing to take the majority of his business. He's the, he's he's a one man shop. Yeah, with these guys calling and bothering him about their bullshit, like mm-hmm. he says, like my day barely gets started, and then Bob Benson calls, and then two hours later Pete calls. And yeah, because he's got one guy in Central Time Zone, one guy in Pacific Time Zone. He's getting it from. I need to get a Denver office going, and then he'd have them all <laughs> Mountain Time, yeah. 
I, I just I feel for the guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's taking on a lot of work. Uh, I, and I don't know if this is exactly what he had in mind when he said, you know, I'm going to – I want off the GM contract, the GM account. Just put me here. Well, I mean, at least he's not being shot in the face. So. Yeah. Do you think his eye is just dead? I don't know. How I long mean, does it, it take to recover from a shotgun blast in the face? So two months is eight weeks. Eight weeks is I, – I, I mean, six to – probably around 16 to 20 weeks for – yeah, but to heal a wound that's eye pretty bad is going to heal. Yeah, isn't it like the fastest healing thing in the body? I don't know. Like your, I don't know your mouth and your eyes. I always thought like the mucous membrane parts are like the fastest healing huh. parts of your body. And it, yeah, and it just seems to me like if your eye is going to heal, it would have healed within six to eight weeks. Could be. Uh, maybe he's not gonna heal. Maybe he's just a pirate for the rest of his life. <laughs> My God, that's terrible. <laughs> I mean, wow. Uh, what did you think? Because a lot of people, you know, were eyes raised about him being dismissive of Joan and screaming at her like a secretary, even though you know she's a partner and she outranks Ken. Yeah. What did you think of that? I mean, Tom and Lorenzo uh, said Ken yells at her like he's a secretary. What's sad about this is Joan would never have allowed him to yell at her like that when she actually was a secretary. Her moan of strength on the phone to the butler guy was wonderful to see, but we're struck by how timid she is now in comparison to the old days. Power has made her more vulnerable. Hmm. Do you agree with that? Because I have a I different take. Yeah, I don't know that I do agree with that. Um, I, I feel like she was letting Ken vent here because that's what he needed, uh, and she could tell that. And then you know he eventually tells her, just go to the meeting and tell him I, uh, whatever, I was with another client. I, I, I just felt very much like it was her giving him the opportunity to vent. I feel like he was talking to her like he would a man. That's I fair took it too, the complete yeah. opposite. We just saw him screaming at these people at the office and he's talking blunt. Like in season one, he would have been very deferential to Joan and never would have called her stupid. No yeah. one would call, you know, or her ideas stupid. And never would have trusted her to take this meeting and, ha- and quote unquote handle this problem. I, I mean, maybe I'm way off base, but I saw it as a sign of him of, of him accepting her kind of power and relative hmm. equality rather than him talking down to her and, and, and like that. Yeah, I could see that. And it, it's as much a comment on his status as it is hers. I mean, we talked about, you know – the. The How one, dis- I guess, is, the one but... way I disagree with myself is the later line where he's like, "Stay out of my office." I mm. don't know, like, why the fuck? I mean, she can come in your office if you want to, man. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I, I don't know because Ken has certainly changed very much as a character as well, so that kind of keeps it up in the air a little bit. I mean, before, yeah, he was deferential, but that's because that's the kind of person he was. Uh, he was kind of more timid himself. Yeah, I mean, be- between. I don't know if he's more timid, but between getting mm, shot in yeah. the face and having to give up his creative outlet, which is his science fiction and storytelling, yeah, maybe he is just a much angrier person. It seems like it. Uh, so anyway, he tells Joan to go handle the meeting, and then when we go back to Peggy in the Avery meeting, uh, Lou's chastising her for not giving him enough ideas, even though the week before he told her that she brought too many ideas. So this guy is just a clusterfuck. I don't like this guy at all. He doesn't seem to know what he's doing. He doesn't know how to encourage or or even discipline. I don't think that's his the subordinates. Case. I think he just doesn't 
he doesn't care about quality the way that he, Don and Peggy do. And even and even Ted. Uh, that's certainly the case, yeah. And, and I think Peggy's realizing that clients will sign off on bullshit. Yeah. And, and are probably more likely to, actually. And I thought his line to her is like, you know, you can just walk in the front door. You don't have to come in on a you know, parachute. Like, why are you trying to do all these cartwheels and impressing me and impressing the client? Yeah. Let's just shovel the same shit to them and they'll take it. Yeah. It's unfortunate because it seems that, you know, their excellence is what has kept them in business and kept them profitable. And that could all be undermined by this guy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, because, again, I think a lot of clients will probably just accept it because they don't know the difference. And almost every form of advertising is successful. <laughs> is that true? I think so. I mean, mm. there's some there's some ones that are like home runs, like they they become viral and people talk about them, but mostly it's just getting your name your logo out into the consciousness. So when people think about, you know, bald uh, move. Uh, yeah, for example, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like if, if it's 20 people who listen to our podcast and there's a new television show out, Majority of people wouldn't be thinking, hey, I wonder if Bald Moon's going to cover that. Now that we have 25 people listen to it, yeah. that, you yeah. know, we start to get some traction. <laughs> sure. But, you know, it's like, it's, it's, I feel it's like it's, 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 I don't know, advertising is weird hacking of our mental hardware. And the fact that it's just, you get something out there and it gets buzzed in your consciousness with an ad blitz or in a newspaper or in a television or radio is its own form of effective advertising. That the only thing sure. you do is make something really offensive mm, or yeah. bad. <laughs> like if they were to go with the idea that uh, the guy from Lost had, Ethan, had last year. <laughs> the really offensive racial yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 right. I can't remember exactly what it was or his name, but. It, was a, it wasn't a security company, and it was literally like. A, it was after the Martin Luther King Jr. It was assassination. A, it, was a, it was like a, a black hand holding a brick or something. <laughs> something like that. I, yeah, it was it really was offensive and really bad. Pretty bad. Uh, so Don arrives in California. We the first time we see Don in this episode. It's been a long time, and uh, Megan meets him uh, at the airport. Some really good shots here. I love the cinematography. I mean, first Are before you, he does you that, say he, that again. My God, this is this <laughs> when I when all the million buck references were mostly about this scene. I couldn't yeah. believe it. It looked like something out of a goddamn Ocean's Eleven film. Yeah. Just parachuted down into the episode <laughs> i think uh quentin tarantino has actually done a shot like almost exactly opposite this with someone riding a conveyor belt and i'm ah. not sure i'm not sure what movie that's in but i saw a comparison on reddit hmm. well i mean to me megan can just walk through the front door but i'm never slow-mo i'm never slow-mo i'm never gonna be <laughs> mad at her parachuting in slow-mo through for, through the ceiling either yeah yeah. I mean, her and Don. That was incredible. It just the lighting, the clothes, her pulling up in that car, and like mm -hmm. you said, the slow-mo, and the fact it was kind of variable speed slow-mo. It was. Even add, yeah. added coolness. And we talked about this beforehand. I said <sighs> slow-mo makes everyone look good. You said that's not true, and we kind of like tossed around some ideas on what would look good in slow-mo and what would look bad. And me jogging would not look good in slow-mo. <laughs> Yeah, I said uh, Paul, really Paul Giamatti jogging. Paul Giamatti would also. <laughs> That'd be fairly frightening. Anyway, uh, Pretty you want to Paul too. talk about the car at all? Uh, the car is uh, an Austin Healey 3000. Yeah. Which yeah. was a British 
sports car that was I get um, this is before my time, but yeah. famous on like the rally circuits. Oh, nice! And I guess people still race them today in the vintage because they're mm. hardy and fun to drive and fast, and they look cool. They look cool. the the Mach th- the Mach Mark three was last produced in sixty seven. So she's driving a oh, used, used car. car for Megan. That's why Don had to buy her a big TV. Yeah. Should have bought her a brand new car. Come on, Don. Anyway, Ted's back in New York and wants to get immediately to work. And there's a meeting with Jim Cutler uh, very briefly who, as you mentioned before, doesn't necessarily want to go with Roger. He'd rather take Ted. Going to dump Roger for Teddy? He mentions the inauguration. Are we talking about a presidential inauguration here? I do here believe, again, we later, we later see Nixon's okay. – uh, uh, inauguration on, on the television show. So that can pin down exact dates. We know we were about I've two got months it. out. I've got all that shit. You do? Okay, we'll save it for the for where he's watching the, the <laughs> save show. Save it for the cast. Save, save it for later for the in the cast. cast. Uh, anyway, just very short scene there. Uh, did you want to say anything about it, or should we move on? Uh, just the fact that Peggy is hugely uncomfortable with him being back. Does she know about it at this point? Uh, yes, because this is before we see she her, runs into him, we see her having a meeting in like the creative bullpen, and uh-huh. she sees him come in, and she like angrily closes the curtains. Oh, okay, I missed that. So Don and Megan meet uh, Alan Silver, is I guess her agent. Yep, that's what that's what I got from it for dinner, and we find out that she has a callback for an NBC pilot, and it looks like things are going well for Megan's acting career. Yep, and Don is completely at ease with this man being around his woman. <laughs> yeah, it's just greed. That's all. <laughs> Nothing else. Uh, oh, is that what he's okay? Greed. Yeah. I thought he said green. Well, I guess well, a little bit of that thing. too. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was really. I don't know. I feel almost bad about liking this line, but he says, "I guess we can hold off on fixing your teeth." <laughs> that was and, that just, little, and that little move that Jessica Perry made, where she kind of like you know yeah. covered her teeth with her lips and was like, "Oh, okay." Like, she's a, a little ashamed of it. Uh, and Don kind of like, you know, really? We're going to be harping uh, on, yeah. the, on the girls' choppers? <laughs> uh, I looked up Bracken's World was a series centered on a powerful head of Century Studios and a group of up-and-coming starlets. So you could see that uh, it's something that Megan would be well-suited for. It also was canceled okay. after a season and a half. Oh, well. Um. <laughs> uh, I thought it was fun. I thought it was a weird. Is weird that when Don asked what network it was on, and she said NBC, that he didn't just start screaming. But then I realized that in you know '69, NBC might not be the cultural wasteland that it is today. No, I don't know anything about the state of TV at that point. Right, right. Couldn't tell you until about the mid '90s. Okay. <laughs> I was making a joke at a Peacock's expense, and it just it, it didn't hit. So let's move on. No, nah, maybe it hit with some of our <laughs> listeners. Uh, he also says, "You're my favorite couple," and we get kind of a shy smile from Megan and a a look from Don that says, eh, "You may be, we may be your favorite couple, but we're not such a great couple." Yeah, that's always in, an interesting. I don't know if you've been in on this thing, but if you've been in like a long term relationship and it's kind of like rocky behind the scenes, but you're still keeping up public appearances, and then people are like, "Oh, you guys are such a perfect couple." Hmm. Yeah, and there's that kind of like ha ah, moment. I, <laughs> Thanks. A little, little bit of that. A <laughs> little bit of that. Yeah. So Joan meets with Barnes, who is the head of marketing from Butler Footwear, uh, at the bar, and he tells her that they're going to take advantage of their in-house advertising. They're going to take all their advertising in-house. They no longer need SCMP, and she asks him to just hold off on making a meeting until um, 
he can meet with Ken, have the dinner that he was supposed to, that he thought he was having. Uh, Joan here really showing her chops, I think. Uh, he didn't buy it because he already had his mind made up. But I think, you know, she she went into that meeting, I think, fairly prepared. Uh, he just threw a curveball. Yes. And I thought, I just, just a lot of things I loved about this. Uh, I yeah. don't know if you got this, but Joan actually audibly growls. <laughs> when he after, tells her? No, when she starts walking away, she does this like, her. Huh. Uh, I didn't which I that. thought was a nice segue into the coyotes howling in the hills in the next oh, scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. But no, nah, I mean, she's she's a formidable, formidable gal. All right. So up on Dracula's castle, uh, Don <laughs> and Megan arrive home. There's no sex for Megan uh, or Don. They go straight to bed. Too drunk to fuck. Yeah, too drunk to celebrate. We'll call it celebrating. So let's crass. Oh, yes. Uh, well, that's what Don calls it later, too. So. Right on. Uh, Don watches TV on the couch and he falls asleep. So much wood paneling in this house. I can't stand wood paneling. And I, I'm just glad there were so many windows as well. Because if not, there's a lot more wood paneling in that house. No, it was it was, it was was nice. Um, it was nice? No, it was shitty. That place was terrible looking. Uh, it, no, I was, talking, keeping about, up I was talking about the windows with the view. Okay. And I... I kind of like small, cozy areas like that. But not with wood paneling. I don't mind wood paneling. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Uh, I've seen a lot. Like, I prefer the wallpaper, for example. I just grew up in a place where wood paneling is appropriate for, like, half-finished basements in the Midwest. <laughs> like, if you think that there's a likelihood of flooding in that room, you put in wood paneling. Really? <laughs> so that you can easily replace it later on. Gotcha. I don't know. And I don't know. I, I said it. It, looked, it. it gave me kind of like a homey cabin feel. Okay. Which I quite enjoyed. Um, Andrew T. shouted out the fact that uh, he thought that the Dracula's Castle is a sly reference to our Don as a Vampire theory. <laughs> okay. You know yeah. how he sleeps just perfectly stiff sure. and his arms down to the side and all that. Um, then, uh, did you have anything else to say about this? Because I got a ton of stuff to talk um, about. Well, I was just going to talk a little bit about her keeping up appearances, but we can we can kind of do that when the TV arrives. All right. Well, Ben R. on Facebook mentioned that Megan living in the canyon is more Sharon Tate foreshadowing. Oh, And in, this time, instead of police sirens, we got coyote howls. And mm-hmm. he's like, it's got to mean something. So I looked... Sharon Tate and her friends were murdered in Benedict Canyon, I believe, August of this year. Uh, also in the Hollywood Hills, in a room uh, rented by Tate and Roman Polanski. Which, okay. And uh, Roman Polanski was working in London at the time of the murders. Mm, or was he? No. You know, <laughs> so it's like this is an extreme form of bi-coastal. Yeah. So a parallel there. Um, when Don visits Megan her new house, this is all I'm reading from International Business Times. Oddly enough, had one of the best breakdowns of the symbolism. <laughs> uh, it said it reminds him of Dracula's castle, and he worried about he worries about how isolated it is. As Tim Goodman of the Hollywood Reporter pointed out, Tate and Polanski first met on the set of The Fearless Vampire Killers. Hmm. When Don is startled by the sound of howling coyotes, Megan assures him the wild animals are not as close as they sound. It's just what happens to sound in the canyon, she says. This echoes the second line of the book Helter Skelter, the true story of the Manson murders, which reads, The canyons above Hollywood and Beverly Hills play tricks with sounds, and noise clearly audible a mile away may be indistinguishable from a few hundred feet. That is a lot. I mean, there's two possibilities here. Uh, That Wiener, that there is something to all these Sharon Tate references, that that her wardrobe last season and the sirens were not an accident, or the Wiener is just 
fucking with us, mm-hmm. which is also possible. If he's not just fucking with us, where does this all lead? Does it just lead up to Megan's murder? I don't know what that what that would do. I, I mean, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, the fact that Don has kind of abandoned her out there and is leaving her alone. And mm-hmm. we there's a lot of other instances in this um, episode where men express concern for women that are left behind. And I can't do that. And, you know, because there's a lot of crime in the country in this in this period of, of, of time. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't I don't know what's interesting about him, her being murdered. If that would just like be the last straw in Don's grief cycle. And that's when he pitches himself off the top of a building. Like, you know, people have said that the credit sequence is alluded to for years now. Yeah. Well, he's still got his balcony. Now the door won't close. So, right. It's, it's <laughs> like, it's welcoming, welcoming him into the abyss. Yeah. It feels like the door, like Roger talked about doors last season. This door is opening, whether he wants it to or not. <laughs> right. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Anyway, she also says don't flick any cigarettes off the balcony. They can tell where the fire starts. Fire so, starter. Any, anything of that. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it means, but it's a little worrying, honestly. I mean, that that line doesn't just slip itself in there accidentally. There's something about the uh, fire starting here that I just haven't got yet. And I think we'll probably see more about that in future episodes. Uh, there's a somewhat awkward cut to the morning. It's it's a commercial break. You only thought that was awkward because you were watching, you're, you're watching the edited version. So it just it's like a movie, well, it's like a, slam bam. Yeah, it, it's a very abrupt cut. Like Don sits down, he looks at the TV, and he closes his eyes, and boom, we're out. It's it feels like he like they should have lingered a second longer. That's about every day. Like I close my eyes <laughs> and I wake up and my God, it's open. It's it's and I've left the Playboy on the <laughs> kitchen counter or on the dining room table. Uh, yeah, so Megan's off to class and Don is taking a cab to work. But isn't that weird? Like Megan hands him a Playboy and not a bottle of Jergens. <laughs> I mean, and Kleenex. He's got. I, I appreciate Kleenex. the offer. I mean, she, she she there wasn't any celebration. Mm-hmm. He's gonna have to do a solo celebration, but you, you know. Yeah, she says, uh, don't tear the ads out of my magazines. Yeah, don't tear the skin on his penis either. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Moving on. Peggy arrives early at the office and finds Ted getting coffee. Uh-oh. Uh, she calls Stan in to, in to break the awkwardness. By dispelling uh, Ted with the power of his beard. Yeah. Yeah, Magnificent his beard, beard, his pants, his shirt. Just all out there. <laughs> In your face. Uh, And Stan can see that Ted's presence is obviously bothering Peggy. Uh, He tries to, you know, have strike a conversation about it, and she just kind of shuts it down. Mm -hmm. Peggy not willing to open up to Stan. That's weird, because I feel like their relationship last season was a little more open than that. I mean, they were talking on the phone all the time. What would she open up about? He knows what the problem is. They both do. She doesn't want to talk. I mean... Well, it's clearly really bothering her. Right. And she... I. Just doesn't want to talk about it? Like, does she think that's going to help her? No, I don't know. Just not thinking about it? Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I just didn't take it as her not want to talk about it other than, like, you know, what is there to say? Thank you for ba- sure. Thank you yeah. for, you know, being my social armor uh, and or, <laughs> di- or awkward situation diffuser. Yeah. And that's it. Okay. Uh, then Don 
in a spectacular scene. Don has breakfast with Pete, and they catch up on business. Talk about this scene a little bit. Uh, this this scene was a delight. Uh, Pete shows up looking like the biggest douchebag that ever, <laughs> you know, mixed vinegar and water in a bag and then got crammed up a <laughs> vagina and sluiced. I can't believe what a dick he looks like. <laughs> and speaking of the uh, wiener fucking with us. Yeah. Pete Campbell... Living next to a tar pits. Mm-hmm. His the Pete, Pete pit. pit is located in a pit. <laughs> Arguably the worst kind of pit. No, easily the worst a, pit. You, you, a pit, uh, just a pit, is bad. You don't want to live in a pit. <laughs> no, Fill that pit with fucking tar and pitch, and it's a hellhole. <laughs> and it's a hellhole you can't get out of either. It no. sucks you in. Right. And, and, it, and it assimilates and you. And he's the happiest he's ever been. Yeah. The worse the pit gets, the happier <laughs> Pete is. <laughs> He loves it. He's he's like he a pig, he's like a pig in in slop. Well, he's like a Pete in pit. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like that someone on the Madman writing staff must listen to this goddamn podcast <laughs> to put him next to the pit. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, whoever you are, we really appreciated that little inside joke. Yeah, I <laughs> I my head almost exploded. Well. Ted's head is about to explode in California. Ted is sour. He does not but like... But wait a second. Yeah. You still want to harp more on Pete? No, I'm, I'm done harping. <laughs> okay. I'm, the harp's played out. Uh, I think Pete is accurate about Don timing this trip so Ted wouldn't be there. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't moving on yet. Um, oh, oh, okay. I thought... I Pete thought mentions that oh, Ted right. hates this place. Um, oh. You're right. Uh, but yeah, Don has obviously timed his trip to coincide with uh, Ted being in New York. Why? Are, is there bad blood? I mean, he just did the Tale of Two Cities routine where he, he had the far, far better uh, fate by sacrificing himself to save this man and his family. Yeah, I don't know why there's... Uh, I mean, I mean did he expect Don? Did he expect Teddy to uh, jump in front of the, the bus? I, that may be so. On losing the job because... Maybe he's just bitter that the partners kicked him out, and he doesn't want to see a partner. Because Pete is a partner, but he's a junior partner, and I don't think he had much to say. He is. I mean, Pete's Pete's Don's creature. Yeah, that's true as well. Yeah. So I think those those senior partners, uh, he probably feels bitter about these guys infiltrating his company and then ousting him. And it's amazing because like Pete was pretty pissed off with Don at various points of last season about oh yeah whatever you want blah blah blah. Pete is completely at peace, man. Yeah. He's got his Brooklyn Avenue. Uh, that's all he needs. He's got his... Uh, Pastrami what, and coleslaw. What is that... Uh, what's that polo shirt with the alligator on it? Oh, Christ. I don't even the know. The animal he's wearing? I don't know. And those pants. Those plaid yeah. pants, man. They living can, the life. They can be seen through three feet of rebar cement. That's how loud they are. <laughs> Okay, uh, let's move on. So Pete takes Don to his office and introduces him to his real estate agent. The first time I saw this, I, th- I saw, thought this was Pete's house for some reason. <laughs> I, thought, I'm like, I thought it was a hotel. I, well, that, that, that would, I'm like, wow, the, the pit by the tar pits are really, <laughs> you know, that's a nice pit as far as pits go. Sure. As nice as a tar-filled pit can get. 
but no, I, I feel like we've still there's still some some humor to be mined from the pit when we eventually see because we got to right. Sure, we, we'll see the pit. Yeah, and, and, and it that, won't have any toilet and he's paper. He's like describing his house as a chamber <laughs> of horrors, or and I'm like, is he talking about his bedroom? <laughs> this this is just fan service. I love it. Yeah. Um, well, without any toilet paper, it's probably his bathroom that's the chamber of horrors. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so we find out that Megan rented a house in the hills, even though Don wanted to buy on the coast. So Don is clearly willing to spend some money because we know he's still getting paid from SCMP. So doing nothing. I, I don't know why. How can I sign up for that? That is my, <laughs> I, that's my dream. So it seems to me like Megan is really just, I don't know. Are the Hollywood Hills really the place if you're trying to seem modest and appeal to all of your poor acting friends, is that the place to rent a house? I, I, that seems really expensive, right? I don't know. I have no idea what late 60s L.A. real estate is. That's true. It is a different area. I assume living in the tar pits is a lot, <laughs> che- is a lot cheaper than living up in the hills. Definitely. But it does – I mean the hills did seem pretty desolate. I mean hearing coyotes howling and stuff, I don't think it's the hills like they are today. Yeah, you're probably right. But on the other hand, I don't understand why Megan be fronting because she has a very wealthy husband. Yeah. And she has a very nice – Well, she's always kind of resented that, right? Not enough to not rock a a British sports car. Did Don make her buy that? I agree. I mean – Well, it's used. It's used. Come on. (laughs) She's got some part-time – uh, anti-materialism going on is yeah what I got to say you're absolutely right it, it's definitely a front that she tries to portray but she's not uh so worried about it that she'll give up her her niceties you know the things that she likes yeah um, she doesn't give a shit about tv apparently so that's not why she she threw a fit about it even though she's on tv seems strange i would never watch myself if i was on tv you <laughs> no. could not pay me enough <laughs> i hate listening to my own damn dome po- damn podcast yeah. All right. Well, let's go over to Joan then. Uh, she's meeting with a professor uh, for help on what to do with the Butler footwear. I believe it was client. Professor Butinsky. Yeah. P- Podolsky, I think, is his actual name. It was a ski? Wow. Yeah, it was. That. I just I, I'm pretty sure. Because I'll, I'll care <laughs> about his name if we see him again. Sure. Um, and, and, and She's getting advice from this guy. Where did this guy come from? Like, is she taking business? Did I miss or forget last season that she's in business school and taking some? I don't think you missed anything. I think in the last couple months she has signed up for that. Or is uh, yeah, they didn't make that very clear, and and they their relationships didn't seem like student teacher. It seemed more like, hey, I'm looking. This is a consulting gig, and I want to exchange goods for yeah. services. It's quite possible that that's what. Is happening here, or she didn't want to exchange goods for services. She wanted to exchange cash for services. Yeah, she did, and I like the exchange here because both of these people kind of misunderstand and yes. underestimate each other. The professor, you know, makes what he thinks is an innocent claim of "Let's see if you have anything to trade." Yeah, um, and Joan mistakes his meaning there. Yeah, and then later on, he says, "I don't know if you can answer or even understand what that means—the uh, difference between commissions and fees." And Joan. Obviously, the the professors underestimated her. I, I really like that back gonna, and forth. You're going to need more than a sheet of paper. Like, yeah, and I also thought it was clever because we didn't really understand fees and commissions last year. <laughs> we did, or when it knows the year before, it was still don't. Lane, and we still don't. And just as she's about to explain it, it cuts away. <laughs> Again, this is just a giant troll by Matthew Weiner. 
Could be. Weiner. I forget when I use the full name, yeah. I gotta say Weiner. Who's trolling who here? <laughs> <laughs> Touche, Jim. Touche. So there's a huge TV that shows up at Megan's house. She's not happy about it um, because of how it's going to look to her starving artist friends. Uh, and then at the end of the scene, she tells Don, you're not here long enough for a fight, which I think is a very interesting line. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says a lot about the relationship. It's kind of in limbo at this point. They don't see each other enough to really have a relationship, but right. they also don't see each other enough to call off this relationship, you know, well, to have the thing implode and blow up. That's true. Uh, Megan's acting very weird and, you know, Don's got his theories later on. Do you think that she has found someone else, someone new? Oh my. In California. Hadn't even thought about it. It's I mean, possible. Don attributes it just to her, her slowly figuring out that he's a terrible husband and she yeah. doesn't know how terrible yet, but, uh, I just wonder if he, she's it's Alan a- Silver, <laughs> her agent. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so either. But, you know, I just think that Megan would have an inordinate amount of interest. Yeah, no. She's a popular TV star. Donna is a terrible husband. Yeah, both of those things are true. So we move on to Peggy's uh, building, which she owns now. And there is a kid coming up to her door telling her the toilet's clogged. Mm -hmm. And she needs to deal with it. And he yells at her because apparently that's what his mother told him to do. Well, she just doesn't listen, Jim. Well, she can't understand her. So, <laughs> uh, Peggy gives him a plunger and shuts the door in his face. What is the purpose of Peggy's scenes at home in this episode? Because I'm kind of a little bit lost on this. I, I see that it's another aspect of her life which she is not feeling fulfilled in. Bingo. But is that just it? I feel that... You know, it's one of those things where they they want to show a person's life in all three phases as a shambles. Okay. Social social life. Uh, love life. Love life. Home life. Uh, work, work life. life. And so far, her work and home life are pretty dismal. And I no evidence of a of a new man. So there's no the, the dating. The love life is probably and she's probably still even getting over the Teddy thing. I mean, that's oh, got to be traumatic. It's only been two months for Christ's sake. Yeah. Yeah, and from everything we could tell, she loved him at the end of last season. Sure, I believe that. Uh, Yeah, so that's, I guess, the point of this scene. So we move on to Don watching his brand new TV while Megan sleeps beside him on the couch. Uh, She wakes up, and they kind of hesitantly celebrate. Like, Megan didn't (laughs) know if Don would want to, and when Don does, she says she's nervous about everything. Acting, you know, a little... Yeah, nervous about everything. What does that even mean? That's such a vague statement. When you say you're nervous about everything, I think it means I don't know what I'm nervous about. I mean, this is a far cry from their season four and five chemistry. Oh, yeah. No Zuby Zoo going on in this no, apartment. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, they're skipping They're skipping the uh, post-fight rough sex, too. Yeah, they are. Uh, I don't know how rough the sex was here. Didn't seem very rough. No, you know, you got to watch out the wood paneling at that thing. (laughs) Splinter you you up. You get too rough and it's just going to, the house will roll down the canyon. (laughs) Um, Did you do any research about the uh, TV show that they're watching? I didn't get a chance, no. So apparently it's a movie made in 1937 called Lost Horizon by Frank Capra. Interesting. And it's a story about a man who uh, gets on an airline flight. 
and to go to a particular destination. It gets hijacked and then crashes in the Himalayan mountains, and he finds himself to the legendary city of Shangri-La, which oh. is this Eden-like garden paradise uh, within uh, the Himalayan mountain range where hmm. the weather's perfect and all that. And it's a story of him deciding whether he wants to stay in this idyllic lifestyle, this warm, um, beautiful place with, surrounded by beautiful people and perfection, or return to the cold world to do his duties. Oh, come on. Is that even a choice? Well, but it's... What are his it, duties? Is he saving people's lives? If not, fuck Yeah, him. actually it is. It's something like he's rescuing some P.O. or he's, he's, uh, he's getting some, uh, okay. some prisoners of war back from China or something like that. I don't know. I... Sped read the plot. But uh, that is a sublime choice for Don to be watching. He's in L.A. in January where Pete's picking things off the vine. Megan's wearing her shortest skirt. (laughs) Driving with the top down. He's got a side boob bonanza that he's (laughs) all up in. Mm -hmm. And he still begs off to go to work. And he's going to go back to shitty old New York City in January. Yeah, it's fake work even. Where everything's bleak and his apartment is freezing cold. And he sits in his underwear and drinks. You know, a lot of people, again, there's probably going to be a lot of things about, uh, you know, Madman. It's just too on the nose. But nobody, come on, nobody's got Lost Horizon in their back pocket. No. no. The fact that you have to look into that and make the connection, I think, adds, does not take away. Sure. They're they're subtle hints um, until you look into them. And you don't Which need works. To, it, just the title cards are all you really need to know to set the mood. That's true. I, like, I could read you the title card if you want. Nah. Okay. Uh, I, I, who are these people that know all this shit about Hollywood and can be like, that's a perfect reference. I don't know. I mean, movies from 1936. I mean, is this all coming from Wiener? Does he have like a, a room full of researchers where he's like, find me something, blah. And... I don't know. I mean, this is this. I feel like it's easy to do stuff from the era, but stuff before the era, yeah, like the 30s. When do you even think to go back and look at that stuff? Because because mm-hmm. the 60s, okay, I see it. Like they're in this time. Let's see what the references were. Right, and they're probably playing all kind. You know, they're probably in. in and in the I map. remember these references from when I was a kid. You know, sure, sure. I don't, but Wiener does. Right. I don't know. He, he, they do a lot of research, and I'm sure that some of these people are. Historians of of a, of a sort for these films and references, these books and stuff. Anyway, uh, let's move on to Roger meeting his daughter for brunch. And she's there just to say basically that she forgives him. What is going on in this scene? This is the most puzzling this, scene to me. This girl. This girl. Piano music from an unknown pianist. <laughs> Man. Uh, the the pianist on the grassy knoll. Shut up! <laughs> what? No, no, I'm kidding. You're okay. trolling me and the audience. <laughs> I am. Um, but, okay. but the music was very very strange to me in this scene because yeah. of the tone that was set by his daughter. She has either found religion or joined the cult. Yes, I don't and, know and she which says, one. I haven't been going to church in any way that you'd understand. So the cult then, either the cult or it's not. A pursuit of of God in any kind of way. Well, I mean, the thing is, I've always hated mags. Uh, I think that this is all a bunch of self serving bullshit. Yeah, I mean, but also Roger's a terrible father and terrible husband and kind of a terrible person. Okay, I won't argue that. But so is she. Mm-hmm. 
Are we when she to... says that you forced me to come to you for money, I yeah, totally you, call bullshit. You, you shouldn't can't... just be handing me money left and right. <laughs> Instead of asking for it. No, you can't make ask. someone ask for money. You shouldn't have to ask for money. That was her choice. He made her ask. Jim, she shouldn't have had that. Yeah. He should have just been shoving bags of money and regularly in her in, in her direction. And also his yeah. peri- his periodic interest in Ellery, well, he showed an interest in Ellery, and she had all, you know, you took him to see Planet of the Apes and scared the crap out of him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It just feels like there's something more to this scene than... Certainly. This is not the I last... I want to apologize. This is not the last we've seen of that, and, you know, but... yeah. I just thought it was funny how Roger approached it. Like, oh, what the hell? This is what what Maybe fresh hell is this? It could be interesting if she actually has taken acid, um, and she's had kind of a, a revelation, and she goes to Roger and says, "Well, I haven't been going to church in any way that you'd understand," referring to the LSD. Whereas we know that Roger would because he has. I don't know. Maybe she's been an alcoholic this time, and she's in Alcoholics Anonymous, and she's woefully misunderstood the like first or second step where you have to go and, for, <laughs> and ask people's forgiveness. Or she's apology. asking them to. For- yeah, she's telling she's people she's telling forgiven them. I forgive you. <laughs> oh wow! I don't know. Something's not right. Anyway, I thought it was really funny when they're like, "I forgive you." No, I forgive you, and I forgive you. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah, but then that's Roger. Sure. So Don flies back to New York, and he meets Nev Campbell on the plane. Mm, going to get uh, a wild thing the on Actress him. Nev Campbell. I don't know the the character's name here. Does I, she even give it? I don't know. But she is another super hot 90s uh, poster girl looking really good yep. in the seven in this early 70s. Check out her work in Wild Things. She's Party she, of Five. She's, she's, <laughs> she's taken up the Linda Cardinelli. Yeah. Tom Lynch had a point. Or maybe it was Don. Or maybe it was Alan Suppenwall. That it like this is the stereotypical Don Draper woman. Oh yeah, the older woman that's that that's very attractive and polished and poised and spouts this Zen bullshit philosophy that he just you know and has kind of like this uh, tragic haunted quality to her that he just can't stay away from. Is it? significant that he did in fact stay away from her i think it is significant but but that's if you say it's significant Mm -hmm. then you have to then also say that we're never going to see nev campbell again this was just a one-shot cameo sure i don't believe that's true oh you don't which means uh, no no i do cast nev campbell as a (laughs) one-shot oh i think in 2014 you do (laughs) uh i i would bet you she, let's say she's going to be as instrumental in this series as Larissa Olenek was, who is Ken's wife, I want to say. Alex Mack. Are you putting Alex the Mack 90s. and <laughs> Nev Campbell on the same yes, plane of existence? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you know, when Ki- when when Kimmy Gibbler from Full House comes on to do a cameo, I guess we'll 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 talk about that as well. No, I think I think you're wildly wrong, and that's okay. That's somewhat distressing because I've really, I I guess, but you still think it's significant. The 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 well, fact that he turns say, her down and the fact that he turns to the window and opens it up and looks out it right afterward. The other thing is this could be just his ice cold pimping. Like I, I don't mm. think he does it on purpose, but sometimes he does this hard to get routine up front with women, and it just makes them that much crazier about him. Okay. But I didn't see him get her phone number or, like you said, even her name. Um, 
Hmm. Just weird conversation how open they were to each other, like emotionally. Yeah. And, and, and when he touches her face for the first time, that didn't feel like a moment that you would – I mean, maybe it is if you know the person and you've maybe, like talked in the past, but this is a first conversation. Maybe she did valley him up. She just – you know, that was like <laughs> her fourth pill she's going to take and decided, no, because I just – yeah, I don't care how hot a person is in, in the case of Don Draper and her you – know, it just feels like that's weird to get on a plane with someone and within moments of sitting down and taking off, being t- you know talking about your dead husband and yeah. his alcohol and his, your failing and, marriage and, and the failing marriage and how you're a terrible husband and touching up on the face and I don't see how, where this goes if he doesn't just completely reject her and if he ends up with her I don't see where this goes it's interesting but I thought okay. the same thing about the Linda Cardinelli thing and that ended up being. You know, they added in his relationship with her husband, which was interesting. They added the bombshell yeah. that Sally walked in on him. Mm-hmm. Pretty significant that we don't even mention Don Draper's kids. Not yet. Uh, yeah. So I, I mean, I'm I the wiener. The wiener has earned my uh, not your my respect in saying his proper name, but <laughs> no, not unless I not unless I put the Matthew in there. Okay. Not so, even Maddie. Maddie Wiener. It's still Maddie Wiener. <laughs> Roger gets back to his hotel room, and there are still two people in his bed. Looks like this is kind of the main girl who he uh, has a connection with, and some dude uh, tells him to move <laughs> so over. So funny. Move over. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Tell him to move over, too. Yeah, and then Roger contemplates his brunch uh, after having tied one on, apparently, after that. Um, I don't know. Whatever his daughter said to him got to him. To the point where he's now thinking about it. I don't know what consequence that will have later on. Plus a whole, you know, every, anyone's welcome in this bed. He should uh, call up Herb from Jaguar to test that theory <laughs> oh, out. Yeah, right. Call up Paul Giamatti. Uh, Nev Campbell <laughs> hits on Don. Get the Warhog. You're Ron Jeremy. Get the Warhog in there. Anybody? Uh, Nev Campbell hits on Don and tells him the story of her husband's death and how many ashes are on Pebble Beach and Disneyland's Tom Sawyer Island. Don tells Nev that his marriage is a sham, and Nev asks him back to her hotel to make him feel better. Don turns her down. Uh, this guy apparently died of thirst. Now, is that is is he thirsting the Kanye West sense of the word? Or are we talking <laughs> alcoholism? Or are we talking about for life? Uh, died of thirst. He became so thirsty that he died. I'm not. I'm pretty sure she's talking about alcoholism because they're talking about treatment and all that stuff. It could be alcoholism, yeah. Unless he wondering unless he died of rabies, I don't see. Yeah, know. like some sort of disease that just causes you to. It's one of those coyotes in the canyon, injury. man. Oh God, you got to watch it. You do. Um, also, Don here mentions, "Have I broken the vessel?" Uh, when referring to or his am marriage. I a broken vessel? I think he says, "Have I broken the vessel?" And oh, really? Yeah. I thought Nev, said, Nev knows that? exactly what he means. I do not. Okay. I have no idea. Uh, and I I thought about it, and I was wondering what he meant. Um, I have some vague guesses about, you know, vessel holding, containing water. That's what I was going towards. Uh, and it all kind of spilling out. That no matter what he does to fill it, it just never will stay filled. Fully. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know how insightful that is. I think everybody kind of can come to that conclusion. So Don turns down and he opens up the window. Is is that a good sign for Don? He's turning toward the light. He's looking. He just rebuked a woman who 
Get behind get, me. Who put an advance on him, and now he's looking the other way out get, the window. Get behind me, Neve Campbell. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I And I hesitate to speculate only because is Don. Yeah. He has made so many good gestures to then you know, fall to the wayside. And to then end up on his balcony pantless in the ex- winter. Ex- freezing his, a- his his ass and or nuts off. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll move on. Peggy arrives at work to tenant complaints again. Um, this time they got to stick the alderman on her. <laughs> Gotta watch that. Uh, and then she brings Lou Freddy's original tagline. And he basically doesn't care. Uh, yeah. He's like, we already signed off on this. And... I don't really care that it's a better tagline. Yeah, I just don't give a shit, and also I'm immune to her charms, which yeah is a, a really fuck you to, to Peggy. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he's at least saying that she has charms, I guess. <laughs> do you think this is... Do you think that Lou is trying to get Peggy to quit? Because she's... Oh, interesting. She's, uh, you know, she's a... Seems like a hardline Don slash Teddy loyalist. Yeah, and kind and of she's... a pain in her his ass, and he would just assume replace him with everyone loyal that's going to laugh at his jokes. And yeah, yeah, and know. not really put in the effort that Peggy's putting in. Peggy wants it to be excellent. Lou doesn't care, and none of his other guys do, including Stan, which kind of surprised me. I don't uh, think I don't think that okay. I don't think that Stan doesn't care. Mm-hmm. I think Stan is just fatalistic. Okay, um, Stan gave a shit. Really deeply, and he got kicked in the nuts by Don when Don stole his idea. Yeah, true. And now that's just two months in his rearview mirror, and now he's got this fuck. I mean, he can go, he can make things hard for himself, or he can roll a doobie yeah. and draw his damn pictures and clock out and do whatever it is Dan does. True, with his badass beard. <laughs> so I, I don't whatever think the hell he wants. Is what I don't he think does. he doesn't care. It's just that. He got really hurt bad the last time he cared, and that was sure. with a guy he actually kind of believed in, and I don't think anyone believes in Lou. Except All right. for Duck Phillips. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, Freddie. So Joan finds out that Barnes set up his meeting even after talking to her, and she calls him from Ken's office and lays out the case for SCNP, and a hell of a case it is, because this guy is scared shitless and he agrees and they set up a meeting with ken later on yeah she gets um, first of all she's earned her new bald move nickname the beef eater (laughs) because (laughs) she drinks beef eater gin right before this if i'm going to grab a bottle of something to drink straight Mm. i don't pick Mm. up the gin and i don't pick up the beef eater i even if i do pick up the gin that's hardcore and i have to give respect (laughs) to the 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 beef eater joan sure beige uh (laughs) I, I, she just kills this guy. He is not ready for the firepower she brings to bear. Yeah. Her case uh, is really strong. They're, yeah. It's like, you, it's like, you think you're going to go to these advertising couple. You think you're going to get the same time slots, the same deals that we get when we buy in bulk and we've had a relationship spanning years and we've got the great and powerful Harry Crane with his, <laughs> with his, with his room full of computers. We're his gonna, White Castle hamburger. Yeah. We, we will destroy you. And we both know <laughs> shoes are going to be in decline because kids are running around hippie feet and you make yeah. a bold move now you own that decision you can only fire us once yeah so is it, it it's really all about hippie feet right that's what it's that's that's, that's what the decline the, it's not that it's not winter anymore 
It is, is a little above. It's fucking the middle of January. Yeah, that's man. what I'm saying. Like sales are going to start to decline because winter shoes are no, expensive. No, she's like a long time. Summer like, shoes are not. They're going to Brickenstocks yeah, and yeah. Bare Feet and mm. other stuff. And True. The, Sandals the, are not as expensive as and, real and shoes. Those shoes are going the way of the dodo, at least temporarily. So it's the same thing with hat guy. You know, hat makers ought to be jumping out of these skyscrapers because only yeah. people left wearing a hat are like guys like Roger and Don. Yeah, so you want to save your get out of jail card. Basically when it's just the like shoe that, market goes to shit, you want to be able to fire us and blame us. It's like that old story about the uh what did they used to call the guy that ran the Soviet uh Soviet Union? Like the Boris Yeltsins of the world, the Mikhail Gorbachevs. What was his title? Yeah, was he chairman or premier? I don't know. It was this famous story about one of them who was retiring in disgrace. And he said, as he's leaving, he told his, uh, pre- his, uh, the, the, the guy that's taking over, he handed him an envelope, uh, a handwritten envelope, and said, when you get in your first political scandal, uh, open, uh, open up this letter. And then he gave him another letter and he goes, when you get in your second uh, scandal, open this one. Okay. And so the guy did. The first time he got into, like, you know, a year down the ride, something blew up, and he opens up the first envelope, and is the guy saying, all right, here's what you do. You blame me for everything. You tell it was my poor, <laughs> f- f- foolish insights, and all that got us in trouble, and, you know, it's just all going to go away. And he did that, and everything went – it, it worked beautifully. <laughs> a year uh-huh. down the line, he gets another political scandal. Says, good luck. Opens up the letter. It says, all right, here's what you do. Sit down, write two letters. Because <laughs> you're out. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, she she gets this Barnes guy by the dark curlies, and he seems like a scared young kid at this point. He does that. Maybe he's a bit. He's fresh out of business. I'm just you know projecting or yeah, probably fresh out of business school. Just you know thinks he knows what he's doing, but kind of realizes he doesn't, and is just kind of groping around for something to, to hang his hat on. And she's trying to wave him off. She's like, "I'm trying to save your job." Yeah, and is very intimidated by the idea of competing against the ad agencies who have so much experience in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it it makes a lot of sense the case she lays out. Yep. So Stan's annoyed that Peggy wants to create new boards for the uh, for the Acutron ads. And he thinks that by forcing this new tagline, she's also telling Lou that he's stupid. Correct. And Lou is, is correct. not going to help. <laughs> Lou is not going to like that. Uh, and, and he makes reference here: "Let it go, baby, it's dead." I don't know what that's a reference to, but it Pulp sounded fiction. like a reference. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I think baby. That's like a, a '70s thing. Come on, it's baby. true. But I feel like there's got to be something more to that. Uh, Peggy, uncalled for. Going back to the "you're all hacks." cranking that shit and don't care and then stan's like oh yeah well fuck this and walked out and then uh, lit up a joint and probably and didn't do any work for the rest of the day <laughs> not much stuff got done <laughs> so not, no usable creative work happened the rest <laughs> of the day uh don's watching nixon speak at his inauguration apparently and one when... day january 20th 1969 wow okay another another great uh you know nail on the head moment for Mad Men. he's saying you know we're t- uh, torn by division, wanting unity. We see around us empty lives, wanting fulfillment. Mm-hmm. That is, and ex- Don perks up, and that's 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 Don to a T there. Yeah, uh, Freddie shows up at his house, and we find out that Don has been feeding these pitches to Freddie. Mm-hmm. So we see where Freddie has got his inspiration, shall we call it? Yes, and it makes total <laughs> sense. I don't know why it. It, I didn't suspect that the first time I watched, honestly, because that's so far out of Teddy's character, and it was so vintage Don Draper. 
Yeah, you're right. And and watching it the second time, you can really feel the Don Draper in that pitch. Right. So uh, there's also some mention of Oscar Meyer wanting some work uh, from another agency. And then John says, "Blow me." <laughs> Uh, Joan tells Ken that it's only a matter of time before they lose the uh, Barnes <laughs> and his company, the footwear company. Uh, Ken, bearing an earring, tells her to stay out of his office. Great scene. But also say, also saying that you did save Decan. Everyone thinks that, but it's yeah. probably going to be okay. And then, yeah, his l- complete lack of depth perception is really, really funny. Hilarious. Very funny. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it, and... And it's not a connection you immediately make. You're like, he threw that across the room. Why did he do that? He's an ass. Oh, oh, I get it. Right, right. <laughs> he's got an eye patch. You can't <laughs> tell where he's throwing it. Uh, Peggy comes home to the maintenance man. I think that's her brother, right? That the but also the maintenance man, it's fat I think. Mark Ruffalo. Because he says, I'll see you tomorrow morning. It's so. Mark Buffalo. <laughs> Mark Ruffalo's fatter, fatter cousin, <laughs> with inexplicably the, almost the same name. <laughs> it's weird how that works because they're not blood; it's by marriage. Sure, sure. Uh, so the maintenance man slash Mark Buffalo is sleeping on her couch, and he leaves, and she breaks down crying. You come on, Mark Buffalo, on your couch. That's scary. <laughs> you do break. That's the appropriate reaction to break down. So this is the culmination of. Loser needs, at work, loser at home. Dawn in her life. Oh God. Yep. Starting know. at it. Starting. Starting. To they are both in New York, and Megan is kind of out of the picture at this point. I don't think there's any coincidence that they're both having existential crisis with them out of each other's lives. They're both mm-hmm. huddled. You know, she's on the floor. He's out on the balcony. Yeah, let's talk about it. Dawn's at home in his underwear. I just did. Clearly disheveled. Uh, he's you know he's not shaving obviously because he was shaving on the plane when he got there. Um, he's drinking a lot. He's in his underwear and a robe. His door won't close. He doesn't care. Uh, he deserves this, Jim. Not in good shape, Don. He goes outside and he sits in the cold and shivers. And he realizes it's cold. <laughs> Why does he go out there? What do you think this scene means? What is what is this to Don at the end? I think it's Don rejecting Shangri-La and going, you know, to his harsh, cold reality. Do you think he should accept Shangri-La? Is that is that something that Don can accept even? Here's the thing. I don't know. Because Don could just go out and tell Megan. Because let's say another thing. Speaking of secrets, Megan's not let on the fact that he doesn't have a job. Yeah. I guess technically he still does. So he has got that scant fig leaf cover. But she thinks well, she's that he's going and, to his and, job. You yeah. know, it's like... He could fly back every other weekend to get his kids, assuming they want to see him. Yeah. But why doesn't he just go out there and be with Megan and fuck around with Pete and start to do something? <laughs> I mean, do something besides this. He's in this holding pattern. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe he cares more about the SC and Pete than, than he ever let on. It's possible. Because like even Freddie's like, why don't you know you walk in this other competing firm and get us both a job? And Don's like, I got a job, and it's yeah. weird. I, I'm just waiting. I wonder what the the final song means because uh, you know the lyrics, "Let me go, SC, why don't you, babe?" SCP keeping him hanging, keep me hanging on. I wonder if that's also. Is there any of that in Megan? Does he see anything in Megan that he is attracted to? She's not keeping him hanging on. He, if anything, it's reverse. That's my feelings anyway. 
Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I, I mean, Don is alone out here, but it feels like Megan might be just as alone out in Hollywood. That's the end of the episode. Yes, yes it is. So unless you have anything <laughs> else to say, we should get to some pimping and some feedback. Hey, we're a part of the Bald Move Network. You can find all of our content at baldmove.com, including all of our television stuff and also our fine affiliates, the Personal Arrogant Show, broadcasting out of Seattle about beer, board games, and pop culture, and the ladies out of L.A., the Because Show, uh, Amy, Gerilyn, and Susan talking about sex, books, makeup, relationships, uh, things that make Jim's eyes go wide and his eyebrows Hollywood. go Hollywood. Hollywood, yeah. They're living in the canyons. They know yeah. about those coyotes. Hell yeah. Um, then we got uh, Kelly and Tom uh, hanging on Up Years Downstairs. Just got done with a fantastic run on Downton Abbey, and they're covering Mr. Uh, Mr. Selfridge right now. Or maybe it's a Selfridge. Mr. Selfridge. It's a Jeremy Piven oh, outing. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I just finished up Entourage as well. So, <laughs> Well, I'm so proud of you, Jim. <laughs> I had one season to watch, so I, I finished it off. I, you know, that's funny. That's the only season I've seen. The and final I, one? <laughs> and I didn't feel like it's I missed. not good. I didn't feel like I missed a goddamn thing. Uh, okay. Uh, so you, you derailed me, man. Sorry. Uh, how can you support us? Well, we basically entirely depend on your support. And there's a couple ways you can do that. We got this new cool thing we're excited about, subable.com, S-U-B-B-A-B-L-E.com slash bald move. It's a voluntary subscription site where you can go and donate uh, a one-time fee or set up a monthly recurring uh, buck a month or whatever. And Jim's described it as like a Kickstarter on layaway and that uh, every dollar you do send to us is banked up, and you can exchange it for interesting perks and rewards. Uh, so check out our pitch there at subbable.com uh, slash bald move. Uh, you also, the, our Amazon affiliate link works. If you're an Amazon shopper, please help us out, amazon.baldmove.com. It's not just a big ticket stuff. Uh, we, there's two ways Amazon uh, rewards us. One is by the raw dollars, but the percentage we get is is based on the number of items sold. So, you know, a lot of people say, hey, we got these, you know, our college books or bought this laptop computer, and we certainly appreciate that. But if you're just like buying toothpaste and soap, use the link there too because that kicks up our items and we actually get a bigger percentage of Amazon's. We steal more of Jeff Bezos' money. Boom. Suck it, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus Bezos. <laughs> well, he thinks of himself as Jesus. A little too close to Easter to be uh, <laughs> making that joke, Jim. Shocking. <laughs> Uh, and, and if you can't do any of that, uh, please give us rating reviews, ratings and reviews on iTunes. We are kicking ass on iTunes. We are in the top 50 on podcasts in general yeah, for our Madman show. Did you know that? Uh, yeah. We were number five on the top charts. That's, that's, I'm talking about just overall. Yeah. That's silly. That's, that's crazy. And it's all due to you people and it's all due to your ratings and reviews. That's and, and, oh, yeah. and subscriptions. That's what makes it happen. That's what helps grow our network. And last but not least, tell a friend, have them join the bald move army, share our articles and tweet them and Facebook it and tumble or whatever the hell you kids <laughs> are doing. Instagram, sex, Snapchat us, Snapchat, send, 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 send us side boob pics. <laughs> <laughs> With baldmove.com tattooed on But it. only Paul Giamatti. Now, only Paul, want to see we, the side boob right. from if Paul. If there's no hair in the boob, we <laughs> really don't we need, we, we don't need that kind of trouble. Uh, let's get into feedback, shall we? Let's do it. Alexander K. says, To add to the unified theory of Megan's going to die, we have that guy telling Peggy that he doesn't like leaving when he's talking about Mark Buffalo. 
doesn't like leaving his presumably wife alone at the house and Peggy's own discomfort with being left alone in that neighborhood. Meanwhile, Don get, leaves Megan in an empty house in the middle of nowhere oh. for months at a time. Surrounded by coyotes. Mm. Coyotes with sirens mounted to them. <laughs> yeah. Horrifying. Dangerous. Dangerous being out there in the Hollywood Hills. It sure is. I, can I say, I drove through the Hollywood Hills like two weeks ago. She don't got no wooden sword. I don't know what it looked like in the 60s, but god damn, it's beautiful now. Incredible. I'm pretty sure the geography stayed the same. Well, the houses around oh, there are okay. different. All right. <laughs> uh, Tommy S. says a listener wrote in something about Peggy's kid sister or kid being with her sister and will it ever come back up? Peggy's sister does not, all capitals, have Peggy's kid. Blows my mind how many people still believe this, but it's not true. She gave up her kid for adoption. Shit. We were totally wrong. Well, yeah, and that's like a season two revelation, and it's also like a season two revelation that the wiener had to clear up at an interview, and I was just a cat. I was watching as a fan up until we started covering it in season four, right? Yeah. Uh, So that's my excuse. (laughs) No, I'm with you. Uh, it's, it's been a long time since we've talked but, about it. I do think it's an son. easy thing to overlook. And, you know, as people binge watch it, especially if you're binging, that's something super easy. Yeah. Uh, Vincent S. says, Matthew Weiner, oh, excuse me, Matthew, Matthew <laughs> Weiner, has repeatedly stated through uh, that through t- the times, relationships, and circumstances may dramatically change. People routinely stay the same. This thesis calls into uh, question many different speculations about this show's decided narrative arc and theories about how this series could ultimately end. But mainly, I think it may boil down to the scene in this episode where Megan's agent talks about fixing her teeth. Hmm. Ruminate about this for a second, fellas. Don't you think it's possible that the entire season, let alone series, may simply be about Megan's broad teeth? <laughs> oh, God. This may be the single change which could alter the very fabric of everyone's lives. <laughs> Would Don would Don suddenly be more attracted to her? More likely to continue this marriage? Pete's skin can return to a normal shade as he realizes and accepts <laughs> that he's an asshole, graciously committing seppuku <laughs> to relieve the world of his douchiness. Either Ken's blinded eye could regain sight or astute mm-hmm. depth perception could somehow miraculously find his way into his remaining iris. Stan finally shaves. Maybe Roger can quit drinking and philandering and return to his first wife, Mona, on bended knee. His daughter rescued from the Manson cult. <laughs> Watching while he gives a Jerry Maguire, you complete me speech to the original <laughs> Mrs. Sterling. Perhaps Megan's corrected incisors will even allow Don to realize that he doesn't need to be an ad man to find true happiness. Don can grow a bushy beard to commit to the show's <laughs> single capita of man scruff and open up a surf shack in Venice Beach. Peggy can work the counter and clean the bathrooms. Did you see how she handed that plunger to Julio? Like mm-hmm. a boss. Dawn can find a man. Ginsburg can move out of his dad's house. Vincent S., this is superior work. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. The, the the unified theory of Megan going to fix her teeth is uh, I'm on that bandwagon. All right. <laughs> uh, what do you, okay, out of all this hilariousness, yeah. the Manson cult angle. What about it? No fucking way does Mags join the Manson cult and end up killing Megan in the Hollywood Hills. No, right? I, I can't see that. No. Okay. That's it's too too out there for this show. Okay. I thought so too. Like this it's possible that's what I said about the degree of difficulty of landing a final season. Yeah. It's possible the show can jump the shark. It could. I don't feel like it will. It's it's never shown me a hint of that before. Certainly, but and it seems to do all it can to avoid that. But, you know, you think about how The Sopranos ended. Yeah. It's possible. Diamond Rattlers, and I know that it's not universally, you know, considered that and mm-hmm. I, uh, that the 
Sopranos was a bad season ender or yeah. a, a series finisher, but sure. I know that's a widely held opinion too. Uh, Diamond Rattler said, am I the only one that got the immediate feeling that Megan is cheating on Don? It looks like they're going to be breaking up soon at any rate. Huh. I yeah. also got a little bit of an antenna. Yeah. Something is off. And I don't know that Don's usually a couple pages behind what's really going on in the, the women in his lives minds. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he's still thinking that this is about her suspected infidelity. I don't know. Could be. I wouldn't count it out. Joseph V said this should have been titled Misery since this is how we find everyone <laughs> and their declines into depression. Except for Pete. Roger's living in the fanciest hippie commune and just wants to die. Pete longs for New York so bad he's killing himself with what? pastrami. What? I don't think that's true at all. Maybe it's subconscious. Oh, well, it wasn't shown to us. Peggy's being screwed by Mr. Rogers. <laughs> Don is so out of it that he's shining his shoes on white carpeting. Oh, the horrors. <laughs> Except for the side boob, this episode missed the mark even more than Ken. <laughs> wow. I find it impressive that Don has only been gone two months and SCP already has new coffee mugs without the D. Hmm. Were they planning on firing Don long before Hershey's blew, blew up? No, actually, they, they... AMC marketing team. They they went with the, the new logo early on last season. That was a, yeah. you know... Is it either going to be S-C-G-D-P-F-L-M-N-O-P <laughs> or is going to be the Sterling Cooper and Partners? Yeah. I don't. I totally disagree that Pete is unhappy, completely. So no, totally. He's the only, and it's funny that yeah. he is the one. That's the reversal, happy. right? Because last season he was miserable. Well, he's the one that not least deserves happiness. But you know, <laughs> no, I'll go with that. Least deserves happiness. I don't like the guy at all. Pete's the one guy can go to coast, never see his wife or daughter again, and it's like be just fine starting a new life. Yep. I guess Don's done that too but at least his shit he's got the decency to have his shit torn up about it and, and he's near his kids right i'm mean, sure he still sees his kids whereas pete's just like Does i'm he? out he's got to yeah yeah i guess so because why would uh why would little bobby be mad at him much less gene yeah coriel says what struck me about this episode is how wrong it felt freddie doing the don draper pitch the hat <laughs> fraud lou avery in don's office ken cosgrove doing his best Pete impression, Pete Campbell being happy. It felt so weird. I'm looking forward to how this is going to play out. Yeah. Cats and dogs living together. It was insane. You know, I feel like we missed the boat on talking about Peggy and Lou because Peggy wanted that job at the end of last season. She sat down at the man's desk. Yeah, and she obviously didn't get it. Uh, is it is it the glass ceiling situation? Is she just running into the idea that she's not as valuable as a guy? The fact that it didn't even occur to any anyone to make her the creative director. Yeah, they had or because they had already brought in Lou Avery mm-hmm. while she was busy sitting at Don's desk. Yeah, it feels to me like she's not being respected in the way that she would if she were, say, Pete. Oh, I I think that's true. Yeah, because Pete got a lot of love at the end of last season for how many accounts he's brought in and just how focused he was on his job. he still seems like he's kicking ass. I thought it was yeah. so Pete that he was like – his happiness was momentarily shaken by the, the the possibility that Roger had not mentioned his numerous accomplishments <laughs> so far. Yeah. Anyway, um, Alexander K. says, as a longtime Pete apologist and all-around pedophile <laughs> – 
<laughs> just add that to the legacy pile. Yeah. Right there. I was glad to see Pete return in a spirit of boyish enthusiasm. <laughs> Having left him with the loss of Chevy and Trudy and his dearly beloved mother, I would have expected him to return on the same dour, depressing note as Don and Peggy. Instead, he's a fountain of hugs and fashionably worn sweaters. Forget about the existential anxiety and insatiable lust and fleeting of nature of happiness. His problems all along was nothing more than a vitamin D deficiency. Oh, could be. Where do you think Pete's new attitude is coming from? Do you think it's going to last? I think Pete's new attitude is coming from the fact that he is in a completely new market. And he's able to just The women don't know that he's a (laughs) slimy pseudo rapist <laughs> that is true the word has not reached the west coast yet it's somewhere <laughs> in mountain time it's creeping <laughs> over but it's not there yet uh the fact that he can go out there and just kick ass and no one is really monitoring him feels like he's kind of running the show out there that's got to be good for him right probably he enjoys that uh and as far as where it goes i hope he's unhappy at the end of this thing <laughs> i don't know uh I, mean, I hope he ends up falling in the tar pits. Yeah, I, I I can't fully explain his happiness either. I know, I mean, I think Pete would probably say his marriage to Trudy was a mistake. He got married too young. It was something that he probably did to please his parents. It was a type of girl that yeah. would please his parents, that would check off something. And now that he's, like, starting fresh and she kind of a, weirdly absolved him of his rights and responsibilities... And kind of set him free and said, hey, go get him, Tiger. Yeah. Maybe that's just lit a spark under him. And the fact that he is calling the shots because Teddy's too fucking depressed about Peggy, I'm assuming. We're going to find out. Yeah. And and seems to want to spend a bunch of time in New York as well. He still has an office there. Uh, the other thing could be that maybe Pete is going to fall back into a cycle. Maybe Pete is just high on life at the moment and is going to be reduced back to grimy little Pete that we've seen before. Oh, I you know I I don't know. There's enough showers in the world that can make him not grimy. <laughs> okay, this is just a front. That that crocodile sweater is just just hiding <laughs> hiding his inter- his inherent pittiness. Yeah, he's covered in tar underneath that sweater. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas G said every scene with men and women interacting involving a party where the guy involve a party where the guy is rude or hostile to the lady. Megan's agent tells her to fix her teeth like it's a plain fact, and it seems like she's about to cry for a second. True. Jones seems to have to eat the most shit while also doing the most work in the episode. Also true. I assume that Peggy's crying at the end is her response to just women getting shit on over and over at the end while having to smile and take it throughout the episode. Debatable. Mm-hmm. Don's replacement is cartoonishly unhip for an admin. It seems like a company was going younger and younger with Ted and then Bob. Lou seems like a crotchety and racially insensitive grandpa. Definitely. When Don visits Megan, she seems like his daughter. Her agent keeps, yeah, her agent keeps referring to Megan as his girl, which is a weird way to refer to someone's wife. And the next morning, she goes through his suitcase to find presents for her, like a little kid does. A lot of this connects back to the misogyny theme, where men are treating women like daughters, mothers, or maids. Megan gets mad at Don for buying her a giant TV, thinking it will put off her broke friends, but she already has this crazy house and sports car. Also, <laughs> what's with the pirate outfit? Very, a lot of a lot of pirate things her, going on. Her here. bandana. Yeah. Uh, Don's L.A. fantasy lasts five seconds from the moment he leaves the airport. We see his glamorous wife get out of a sports car in a bright sunlight, and then she starts talking. And every moment in L.A. from then on is a very dark, in a very dark, dark interior. <laughs> God damn! 
God damn, that's a good observation. Interesting. Yeah. That, that this whole and she's like, obsessed with turning off the lights in that place. That, yeah, this whole uh, Ocean's Eleven was a fantasy thing that he got up for, and then as soon as she opened her mouth, it was like all over. It's the teeth. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Uh, on the plane ride home, Don finally finds an intimacy he couldn't find with his wife with a stranger, of course. She mentions that her le- she left a dead husband at the very place where Don's latest marriage started. Oh, shit. Is that right? Disneyland, well, Disneyland I guess, Land, in yeah. general, yeah. Nicholas G., I've still got four emails to go, but so far, email of the week. And is it competitive? Because Vincent S. with his Megan T. theory is also strong, but... <laughs> That that's this is this is some quality stuff here. Uh, Josh P says, "Is it just me, or are you shocked to find the only character who seems to be genuinely happy is Pete? Sure, he looks like a giant pe- a giant penis ready to play eighteen at Pebble Beach. Very true. Yep, but with poss- his own ashes. Is that a coincidence? <laughs> but is it possible that we might not hate him by the end, or even I shudder to think it. Root for him to be able to find the eerie peace Roger's daughter has found. Leave it to the wiener to pull the rug out from under us like that." We were kind of rooting a little bit for Pete last season, right? I mean, he got he got a little taste of glory. I th- yeah, he he actually started doing his job effectively, right? I have never I resent the I, okay, I, that I've rooting for, for him is the wrong word, but he was actually doing his job and doing it well and doing it better than Don, doing it better than a lot of people at SCMP. I won't argue with that. A lot of people coasting coasting around last season yeah but okay rooting for him yeah you're right like i said i don't know That's if we're rooting for him i like pete and the fact that he's funny sure. he's funny when he's miserable and it turns out he's really <laughs> funny when he's happy yeah so if you know we can keep the funny uh happy-go-lucky pete around but sure. not he, a whole lot of stairs in los angeles though that's the problem it's a very flat city. It's very flat city yeah brown and, and flat uh <laughs> It's funny how close that brittle Pete is to the surface, though. All it takes is one mm. slight to his ego uh, or pride, and it's right that that prune face is ready to come right back. It's right under the tan. Right under the just... tan, it just peels off like a, <laughs> a like a banana skin has been in the freezer. No. Ben G says, "Do you think Megan's cheating on the? Oh, well, sh- we're gonna have to. That's a little bit of dry pie." Spoiler section? No, no, it's not. We just we were talked about it at length. Oh, okay. So that's my my new Game of Thrones thing. Gotcha. Uh, that's totally random. For, yeah, forget it. Let's Mad Men on. will not understand that. Well, I kind of like it that way. All right. Uh, Rachel A. It seems like Wiener and company are making lots of references to past episodes. The last and only time the show mentioned commissions versus fees was the episode titled "Wait for It: Commissions and Fees," in which Lane died. Yet here we have Joan with a professor who bears a striking resemblance to, resemblance to Mr. Price, mentioning huh. this very concept. Interesting. Okay. Later, Megan tells Don that she's making coca vine, and the one and only time she's mentioned this is an episode last season where she tells Don she's getting ready, uh, going to have a love scene in her soap opera, and she wants to stuff Don with the dish to distract him and lay a trap for him to walk into. Hmm. Holy shit. Maybe she's got some love scenes going on. Even more importantly, strong contention for for email of the week here. Rachel A is not taking... uh, not taking Nicholas G's shit laying down. Uh, finally, the first episode of last season was entitled The Doorway, where Don and Roger in particular talk about doors opening in life. In this episode, which you caught, we saw Don at the door in his apartment that just won't close all the way. Wiener and company are too clever and meticulous to let these mentions go by without attached meaning. 
Does this mean Joan has lain hanging over her, no pun intended, this season? The scene certainly demonstrates that Joan is more than competent enough to handle accounts and take over Lane's position. Is Megan moving her love scenes from the TV screen to the real world? Clearly, she's over Don in this episode. Is the door of life closing on Don? Or is he the one who can't open or close any more doors, stuck in some sort of limbo, which in itself is reference to Dante's Inferno from last season? Yeah, that was basically my exact stuff. thoughts. Their, their relationship, <clears throat> excuse me, seems like it's in limbo at this point, you know? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, and the, the, I, I just never seen those two shy in the bedroom. Yeah, I don't know that it's conclusive that their relationship is over from Megan's perspective this time. Like, I don't, I, I didn't see any solid evidence that she is cheating on him or that True. she's ready to let him go yeah, completely. But I certainly think you could, you could start to see the cracks, and speculating that she's got some sort of off-scene romance going is not out of the park. Edwin C. says, uh, the other thing that jumped out at me was Don, when Don was walking out to his balcony, I thought for a second he was considering jumping off just as depicts an <laughs> intro. Uh, about 14 episodes too soon on that. Mm-hmm. But for sure, that is definitely uh, Chekhov's balcony at this point. Yeah. Or Schrodinger's balcony, if you're... Schrodinger's patio. Schrodinger's patio. Is, is what I said there, Jim. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we gotta quit making off-cast inside jokes. It's like bad enough me bringing Game of Thrones into it. You're just going completely off the script. Uh, but that's it, right? That's all the email we have. One more. Oh, one more. Mara okay. R says my feedback is why well, I'm not surprised Don lied to Megan about what's happening at work. I think she's going to find out, and then that might be the last straw that breaks their marriage's back. Yeah, that could be. That is, would be a huge blow. The lie about it. the fact, is, especially since he's begging off spending precious time with her. Yeah. That's even worse than the lie. For what sure. What the lie is covering. Also, the scene with Roger's daughter, was that the final time we'll see her? Was it tying up of that storyline? I think it's just the start of a crazy storyline with her. It's got to be. I, If that is the last time we see her and that's how they leave their relationship, it's a pretty big that's such moment. a weird, yeah, it's such a weird way to end their relationship. Yeah, I got that. So I don't think we've seen the last of her. Uh, speaking of last of, we debated about Bob Benson. The mere fact that he's mentioned Detroit, I feel like we're going to see him. We could. Yeah. Maybe he'll come back to haunt Ken. Maybe maybe Ken will go up there for a meeting and Bob will shoot him maybe in his other eye. Maybe that's why Pete's so happy. Bob Benson's been there. They've been bi-coastal themselves. Oh, there you go. Not interested in his realtor. That's just interested the cover. Interested in Bob Benson. That's the cover. All right. I'll buy it. That's, her, that's his beard. Sure. That it? I think that's it. All right, perfect. If you'd like to send us more of this good, good stuff, do it at madmen at baldmove.com. You can follow us, of course, on facebook.com slash baldmove and Jim over at Twitter at baldmove. Yeah. That's it. Absolutely. We're out. Uh, we will be back next Tuesday with another podcast for whatever episode two is called. I don't know at the moment. Anyway, until then, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. See you then.